Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Welcome into the podcast, Becky Robinson. It's great to have you here today. Great to be here, BA. Loving the hat. Thank you. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. Got to get the branding going now. Okay. If you are on social media at all and you follow Becky, then you obviously know about, I don't know, is it an alternate personality? Is it art imitating life? Let's talk about this. I have so many questions entitled housewife, which... Your 4th of July post was just crazy. Um, I probably know somebody like that who has done something like that, traipsing around a golf course. Where did you come up with this? Because it's hilarious. Same. Yeah, it's just, I saw it. I kept seeing it. I just think golf is so ridiculous. My um, my dad is a big golf. He's actually playing golf tournament right now. It was like super frazzled about an hour ago because we were trying to get a family picture. And he's like, I've got a tournament. And it's just like, all right. I just, I find it so funny and how serious people take it and I I grew up doing a lot of competitive sports but not golf it was like golf was meant to be fun I I thought (laughs) and um I just I don't know it's a lot of like my uh my mom my brother's wife like any housewife I've seen when I first moved to LA I was staying on a friend's couch in Brentwood and I saw these moms like drenched in Lululemon pushing their kids around just bitching you know just like (laughs) you know I've got I've got my pedicure and my manicure and I don't have any time for myself. And it's just like, I just found it so funny. Cause it was like, your lives seem so perfect, but yet you're still like bitching about everything. A little bit Anytime, of Karen mixed in there. Yeah. Totally a bit of Karen mixed in there. But I think my, my character is, you know, a, a little bit more woke or at least tries to be, you know, she's not, she's not evil, but she's just, she's evil in the sense of like, <laughs> she just, she just speaks her mind, you know, and it's very much art imitating life. And it's like, I was with my parents for longer than I ever had been during COVID since I left for college when I was 18. And they went out of town for one day. And it was like, it's almost like I had a calling to put on this wig and go in my mom's closet and put on her zip up and get in my dad's car. And the first entitled video just shat right out of me. It just like, (laughs) it it came out so organically. And it was just like a regurgitation of all the things that I had like seen them do or say just in like being frustrated, watching them be frustrated. Um, and now I just, I didn't realize so many people would like relate to the character. So that's been wild. Um, I think a lot of times I like doing characters cause sometimes I feel a little bit more, not really shy, but like, I don't know. I've, I've done characters for so long that sometimes I feel like I get a little mixed up about like my own like, I don't really say things like I mean them as much as my characters do, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like they just, yeah, they just say them and they're like, I'm owning every part of this. And like, I don't care what anyone thinks. And a lot of times the characters are a bit older. And so I don't know. Um, I just, I, I, I like doing them. It's like, oh, it's fun to like get into character as a person who's just like, I know exactly who I am. Everyone else, get out of my way. <laughs> 
And yeah, now I'm getting invited to golf events and getting into more trouble than I ever expected. So that's been fun. Well, that's good. I mean, it helps with branding because obviously you do comedy, you do voiceover work. And now this, I guess it's just one more thing that you can do and make money off of. I hope you're making money. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, you do something like that. That just goes to show you about how art and creativity works, right? Because totally you never know what is going to catch on. I mean, I'm sure you thought of this, oh, this will be fun and cute. Maybe my comic friends will follow me, you know, maybe they'll comment yeah. or have something to say, but it really is like the definition of viral of how popular it is. It's crazy. I know I, it's, it's so weird. Cause there's, you know, when you do something and you think it's good, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done. You put it out and everyone's like, no. And then you have something like, I almost didn't release anything entitled housewife. I was just like, but I took like a little bit of an edible when I made that first video, when I was editing it, <laughs> I was editing it and I was laughing so hard. And I like pulled my sister in over and I was like, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, I haven't laughed in like months. And I'm like, I normally, you know, I, I, I don't really laugh a ton. I mean, I laugh initially at my own jokes and stuff, but like then what, once you're working on them really hard and it becomes part of the act, like it's all, it's fun to perform it for people, but like, that's nothing like that first time when you first get the idea for a joke. And I was like, I'm just going to post this. Like a lot of comics were like, do we even post stuff during a pandemic? But I was like, it made me laugh. So maybe it would make one other person laugh at least. And it's just been so fun. And I still, to this day, I'll shoot entitled videos and I'm like, this is garbage. And then I'll post it and people are like, it's your best one yet. (laughs) okay i love this way more than anything that you've ever done yeah like like things that i worked on for years they're like yeah don't care about it all and then this like takes me two seconds to shoot but i don't know i'm i'm glad though entitled's been really fun and like the fans are are great and they're 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 equally great and scary because they're all like also entitled housewives so they can be like i want this and this and this and a cameo or like whatever but for the most part they're awesome and they're like i wish i could talk like that so thanks <laughs> i love it yeah it's very audacious very stylistic very, very irrelevant or irreverent but it's funny mm. you know and it's it's really good so you mentioned Thank something you. and i absolutely i've been a fan for a long time i follow your posts and other things that you do and you touched on this just a minute ago about moving back home or being home with family during the pandemic I'm very interested about this because a lot of people did this. I know uh, Nikki Glaser moved home. I mean, everybody was kind of moving home and doing things. I'm curious, just from a perspective of uh, just as a celebrity, an artist, a comedian, what was your overall experience like having to do that? Like, did you think that was something that you would ever have to do ever in your life? And then the pandemic hit and literally affected everybody. I'm just very curious from a general point of view, like I've never asked. So I thought you mentioned it. I thought I would ask, what was your experience like? Kind of walk me through your mental process of having to make that decision and go, okay, well, here we are. Mine was very much, um, I, I think I definitely realized after about 10 years of doing stand up, I mean, my family was very much like not psyched about the fact that I wanted to do stand up and act, even though okay. like from age six, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. So I think in the back of my head, I knew it, but maybe they didn't think I was as serious as I was. And so it took them a long time to like become okay with it. And then it wasn't really until like, you know, I had found my footing and like was making good living and and then like came home and we were able to laugh at everything that I was like, kind of came full circle. And I was like, 
I just wanted them to understand like you guys are where my sense of humor comes from. And I think maybe I had kind of forgotten that as well. Sure. And then as you come home and like you'd spend some time with your parents and the first time I came home, my mom had like a health scare and I invented this character, Susie Chapstick, that I ended up taking on the road for like a couple of <laughs> years. Yes. That was a lot of fun, but didn't have like as much of like a viral online presence as entitled. And then when the pandemic hit, my sister works in the ER and she was just frantic. And she was like, I mean, basically manic was like, you have to come home. Mom and dad could die. Like, we don't know what could happen you just like, you need to be here because things were getting so crazy at her hospital and, you know, they were just on the front lines. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing stand up, I'm not doing jack, sh- you know, whatever. So like, what do I, of course I'll welcome home. So I went home originally and stayed with my sister in downtown Portland and like, kind of just tried to like make her comfortable, like cook meals for her and just be like, it's okay. Like also scared at the same time, not knowing if she's going to bring home COVID being in the hospital every day. Uh, but it was nice to be with her. So we got to spend like a couple months together, you know, back to LA, moved, came back and stayed with my parents on the second chunk. And that was when all the entitled stuff happened. And it was just like, that was when I started playing my character in Middlemost Post. And I just forgot, like my parents are just, you know, you spend so many years in LA and it's just like, you're eating alone, you're eating in your car, you're driving here and there to do mics and shows. And like, and then you come home and you're reminded like, oh, family dinners and stuff. And just like, <laughs> I don't know, just being there for each other and like helping out with whatever and laughing about things from the past. And they're just, they're so raw in themselves. And I just had not spent that much time with them since I was, you know, in high school. And now like being an adult, there's that little adjustment too of it's like, oh, we can speak like adults to each other. So that's kind of a fun thing, you know? And uh I don't know. I, when I went to leave to go back to LA to like fully move my stuff, I was in shambles. I was like bawling. It was, I cried more leaving after the pandemic than I did. Like when I left for college, when I left for college, I was like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of I'm, going, course. I'm going to California and I get to try to do comedy. But then this time it was just like, I'm leaving my family. And I was crying so hard. They were like, what's wrong with you? So it was, I don't know. It, there were, it feels really wrong and bad to say this, but like the pandemic, I think brought a lot of families closer together and it was just sure. like slowed so many things down that it was like, you don't necessarily feel like you have to churn out a thousand pieces of content every day. It's just like, all right, what do you really care about? What do you really think is funny and like, you know, or, or meaningful and yeah. And then like I don't also think just, there's, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong to feel that way. I mean, as bad as things were, also, a lot of positivity came out of it. I think everybody's mindset from the highest level on the spectrum to whatever, I don't want to say lowest, everybody in between, doesn't matter. Everybody's perspective changed and yeah. things just became better, I think, as a country, so to speak. And as far as even in the entertainment industry, I think people have really rethought the process of doing things and how things can be done and it changed the forefront. I mean, it was great for my show. Everybody was at home. So I got to talk to <laughs> pretty much 99% Everybody, of whoever yeah. I wanted because they weren't doing anything else. Now, yeah, no excuses whatsoever. Unless like, they just what? didn't want to do it, you know? And even sometimes it's like, well, they're really busy. They're traveling and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, really? Like the entire yeah. country is shut down. Just tell me that they don't want to do the show. And that's totally <laughs> fine. I'm not going to be offended. I hear no all the time. Um, yeah, we're used to it in this business. Yeah. If you want to be in this 
entertainment, podcasting, interviewing, you have to have a thick skin. I want to talk about your comedy because you've been doing it for a very long time. We've seen you on Comedy Central, Wild Now, the, the Funny Dance Show, a lot of different things. Let's wind the clock back a little bit to when you made that first jump to L.A. What was your plan? Did you already know kind of what you wanted to do and where you wanted to connect? Or were you like a lot who just packed up the car, moved out here, found a cheap apartment in West Hollywood in a really sketchy area or couch surfed, as you mentioned, <laughs> and yeah. just worked and grinded it out? Um, I definitely had a, a like... I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem super strategic at the time, but it seemed like this is the only way that I can do that. I went to school. Um, so I moved away after high school uh, and I went to San Diego State. And when I was 21, my sister came down because I've been like, I want to try stand up. I want to try stand up. And I was taking some theater classes and stuff, but ultimately, my, my parents paid for my college and they're like, you're going to study business and you're going to be a saleswoman. And I was like, okay. So I just figured like, I'll just do that and I'll learn whatever I can and I'll emphasize like entrepreneurship and take, take electives and like take improv on the side or like, you know, get a job somewhere that I can learn things about this industry um, leading up to it. And, you know, knowing business would probably help a little bit learning some of that stuff. And then my sister came down to California, like forced me to go on stage at the comedy store. And I was just immediately like, I found it. I have to do this forever I'm, I, I love this this is like everything I've been waiting for and to try and it was just like an expo I had to wait in the back of the comedy store because I wasn't 21 yet then they brought me in and I did stand up a few times and then um I don't know why like the family aspect was such a big deal to me but they were always so supportive of everything I did that when they found out I was doing stand-up and like called me crying because they were like so embarrassed by it um I was just, I got really scared and it kind of just like tarnished the joy of it for me for a little bit. Um, just cause I was like, you guys are the reason I'm fucking this way, you know? So, um, I just couldn't really wrap my head around why they didn't see it. And then I, I, so I got my degree and I moved to LA and stayed on a friend's couch for a couple months while I looked for like nine to five. So I was like, okay, I have a degree. So let me just get, a. it seemed like the best option Versus like bartending or, you know, side hustles or anything like that. I was like, let me get a nine to five with like benefits so I can just like get them off my back and like sure. make sure like, you know, it's like you have no more say in anything I'm doing at all because this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And I could have made that jump earlier, but I just thought like how stupid and what a waste of money and that would have been. So I stuck it out through college and then like I got a nine to five for a year and, uh, yeah. And I was just, uh, you know, it was more like a nine to midnight because it was a startup. So it was like, but I had a few hours in the evenings where I would go and I would just hit every single mic I could. And I was sitting in a desk all day, every day. So I would kind of like work extra hard and then like write bits all day long um, whenever I had downtime. So it was kind of good because it wasn't like moving to LA, getting a job at a bar and then like getting caught up in that lifestyle. It was sure. like, all right, we're here to work. And it like got, I was out of bed very early every morning. And it was like, we we're on this path. And I was like, you know, miserable. I mean, it was very sleepless for many, many, you know, months. And then after about a year and a half, I had some, I had a manager that was hip pocketing me and I submitted to write for Nikki Glaser's show on Comedy Central and I got the job. And it was funny because our, our office was on the Culver Studios lot. So I used to see Mel Brooks every day. Oh, wow. And I was, I was always too scared to talk to him. So I was like, what do I have to say? I'm just like, you know, I'm a coordinator at this company doing whatever. He's going to be like, piss off kid. 
And then the day that I like finally quit and left, he, I was like walking out with my box of things, which were just like 12 bags of chips I had stolen from the office. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was walking out and I was like, I had to talk to him. And I was like, Mel, I just quit my job. I'm going to do comedy full time. You're such an inspiration. Like, I love you so much. And he just like grabbed my arm. And he's like, you got an agent, kid. You got to have an agent. And I was lied. I was like, yeah, I knew. I just had like a loose manager at the time. Um, but he was like, yeah, you're going to be great. Just go for it. And you know, whatever. And so we like took a picture together and, um, that was just like, okay, no more being scared anymore. Like you're, you're doing this, you've come this far. Like this is your first, even though it was like a four week long job in writing for TV show pilot. I was like, this is, this is maybe a sign that like should keep up with it and keep, keep really working your ass off. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a true Hollywood story, so to speak, as far as like getting hip pocketed and just doing it. And, you know, that's one of those things that doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, that's like a big opportunity because everybody's out there pursuing the same dream. Everybody's trying to get that thing that they want to do. Right. And the fact that you're able to do it, carry it through. Here you are, super successful. You have Entitled Housewife, which is great. And now Middlemost Post, which is huge. Now, I have to tell you, my six-year-old, I was, when I worked this out with your publicist, I was watching this clip. And of course, it's bright and colorful, loud and noisy. And my six-and-a-half-year-old saw it. And now he wants to watch it. And he keeps asking me when it's going to come on. Um, which it airs tomorrow. Let's talk about that. And you play the lead in it. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, it, uh, it just couldn't have been uh, most characters I play are like very physical, loud characters, but this one, I've never related to a character more. It's just, uh, Parker J cloud middlemost post are Parker really represents the rainbow after the storm. And I think this really is the bright, colorful, hilarious but also heart-filled show that I think everyone needs after such a dark year and it's really you know Parker teams up with the mailman of the sea Angus who's voiced by John DiMaggio who is just like incredible I'm in awe every time I record with him because he's just constantly doing a hundred different voices and that's been so cool to see and the creators of the show Dave and John are so fun and recording during the pandemic it's like yeah we didn't have to wear pants we would like come in we were like (laughs) farting he's like fully farting during the recordings like we meet each other's like dogs and families eventually throughout these sessions because people are like bringing you food or whatever during the session where they're like you need to move your car so you kind of just like get to see everyone's home life and we really I think that helped with the chemistry early on and now we've done we've done a lot of episodes um, and it premieres tomorrow night and the episode is called First Delivery tomorrow night and it's one of my favorite episodes um, where Parker the gang kind of goes on a journey to deliver mail to a house that never gets mail so they go on a lot of fun adventures and get themselves into a lot of pickles but Parker's kind of just this like naive purely just wants to make people happy but you know winds up in a lot of trouble along the way type kiddo um, and it's just been fun because you know. All my life, people are like, yeah, you sound like a little boy. You sound, you know, like a, I don't know, genderless. And Parker, the Parker is genderless. And so that is just, uh, you know, they were like, do we cast a girl for this? Do we cast a boy for this? Do we cast somebody who's non- non-binary? Like, what do we want? And it, from the second I went into audition for a different character, they were like, oh, I think that's Parker. <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been really cool. And I think this, I just love that Parker really it transforms into whatever it wants, whenever it wants based on emotion. And I think that's so cool 
coming from a place of like doing characters, you know, if you want to wake up one day and be whatever you want, do it. Like wear a wig, wear, you know, call yourself a different name, do whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting anyone, you know? And as long as it comes from a place of love and that's, that's Parker. And that's just something that hit really close to home with me. It was just like, sometimes I don't know who I am, but you know, as long as you lead with love, you're all right. I love it. Middle most post premiering tomorrow night. Super exciting. And of course, entitled housewife, follow uh, Becky on Instagram and you'll get a wide variety of entertainment and just a (laughs) lot of personal things as well. Fantastic. I'm excited for it. And hopefully, yes, you're getting back out on the road now and things are opening back up. Life is getting back to normal-ish, I think. Yes, definitely. And the future is very, very bright. Becky Robinson, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Talk soon. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.